Why do women need to negotiate more now than before? And why is it good news that women can begin to discover their strengths as negotiators? Recent changes in workplace culture are making it essential for women to exercise far more control over their careers than in the past. The rise of internet commerce, ongoing changes in the roles women play at home force them to manage a clamor of conflicting commitments in their lives. In the midst of so much rapid-fire professional and personal change, negotiation is no longer optional. It's becoming a basic survival skill. We are joined today by authors Linda Babcock and Sara Loschever to discuss their research revealed in their book, Women Don't Ask, Negotiation and the Gender Divide. In part one of our interview with authors Linda Babcock and Sara Loschever, Linda shares what prompted their research, how just one single negotiation can affect a woman's financial future, and how society's messages pertain to how men and women perceive themselves. We surveyed TC women asking them what topics they wanted to learn more about, and negotiation, not surprisingly, was at the very top of the list. So your book will be a great tool and resource um, to our TC Women's Network. So let's start with the why. Share with us how you decided to write on the topic of women in negotiation. Well, I had been working in the field of negotiation, doing research on it for a long time. And there was this research that looked at gender. And frankly, I didn't really believe it. I didn't think that there were, you know, today, gender differences in negotiation. Um, But I had a set of experiences in a managerial position at my job at Carnegie Mellon where I really saw the differences in the way that men and women interacted with me to get resources. And if I could just tell you one example, I think it's really instructive. Sure. Um, And that is um, the, the job that I had was being the director of the Ph.D. program. And as such, I would shepherd the students through the program and help them if they needed help. Um, And one day I had this group of really upset female PhD students in my office. And they were really mad because the male PhD students had been assigned to actually teach courses and the female students had been assigned to be teaching assistants. And of course they didn't think that was fair. And when they presented that to me, I didn't think it was fair either. So I went down to talk to the associate dean in our college who handled teaching assignments. Um, and the funny part of that story is that that person was actually my husband. Oh, so okay. I went to I went to go talk to him and I said, you know, why are you discriminating against the women in the department? And when we sat down and talked about it, what we realized is that each one of the men, the male students, had come to him sometime in the months before and asked him to teach rather than TA. And since our students are really valuable in the classroom, he agreed to let them teach and find things for them to teach. And none of the female students had come to ask. And I just saw that as it was a real aha moment for me. And when I went back to talk to the women and explained what had happened, they said that they had assumed Mm. that if they had the opportunity to teach, that someone would have sent an email saying something like, hey, who wants to teach this year? And so they were really waiting for the opportunity to be asked. Mm -hmm. And somehow the men just knew that they could go ahead and ask for what they wanted. And it struck me so much that I decided it might be a really interesting thing to study. And so that started um, kind of 20 years of research on the topic. Okay. Um, So it really did come from my experiences um, at Carnegie Mellon. So let me ask you a question that wasn't part of of what I originally was going to go into this, but you... You raise an interesting point 
you went into the office that it was your husband. Do you think that you, if you, if it had been another man that you were just in a professional relationship with, you would have been able to be that bold to go in and say, I think we have a problem here? Um, I think so. I'm, as people that know me know that I'm a pretty bold person at work. Um, I like to solve problems and get to the root of problems. And so um, I actually might have been nicer to somebody else and not taking okay. it out so hard on him. Right. <laughs> but, um, but, but definitely, you know, and I think that's why negotiation is such a valuable skill as I went in there really thinking about how are we going to solve this problem for this group of female students and understanding that negotiation is the way that that happens right and um you know it's what i spend almost my entire time now as department head doing and that's negotiation negotiations so a big takeaway in your research is the impact that neglecting to negotiate can have on a woman's long-term financial future and you refer to that as their roi on just one-time negotiation affects their lifetime of financial income and benefit can you explain what you mean by this yeah, so think about when you're starting a new job and you do or do not negotiate for that first salary, okay? And let's say that you do negotiate. Well, most people that negotiate are, are, are successful. They have some um, increment in their salary that they would get. And that means that their salary is higher for all time because that initial salary is higher. And so imagine an organization that gives like a standard 3% raise every year. Well, if you have a higher salary, your raise is higher, too, because 3% of a higher salary is a bigger raise. So you're getting a bigger raise every year, and that just capitalizes throughout your career. Your retirement savings will be higher because your salary is higher. And so these things can really accumulate over time. But think about in the non-financial world, things can also accumulate over time. Let's suppose that at your workplace, you negotiate a particular job assignment that is a project that you want to take on that might build some skills. Okay, so you negotiate with your supervisor to do that rather than something else, you know, maybe that was more routine. Well, if you do that, you're gaining skills, which is going to put you in the position to do something at a higher level, and those opportunities will just increase then throughout your career. And so that's what I mean by really these negotiation snowballing in value over time. Mm -hmm. I thought the, it was interesting when you broke it down into the financials and the huge difference that men and women walk away with in their lifetime of just not negotiating for the highest amount at that one-time negotiation. I thought that was really Absolutely. interesting. Yeah, it can, it can lead to well over an additional million dollars over the course of the career um, in additional earnings. And for those of who listening to this that maybe aren't at the beginning of your, their career, but at the middle career, that's that's fine. You should also start negotiating now, and those earnings can accumulate over time, too. Okay. So it's really never too late to start negotiating. Right. So I chuckled a little bit when I read the part um, where you were explaining the differences of society's messages between men and women, and you referenced the book Make Way for Ducklings. That's one of my mm -hmm. favorite childhood books growing up, and it was a book I read to my daughter, but I always kind of had this anecdote in my, the back of my mind of how different the roles were between the the father duck and the mother duck and everything the woman was doing and what the man's position was in that. So I wanted yeah. you to explain what your research shows and what society's messages are and how they pertain to how men and women perceive themselves. 
Yeah, so there is a lot of research, and this isn't really my research, but it is the, the, the work of other um, psychologists and sociologists that look at um, differences in expectations that our society has for, for men and for women. Um, we are um, fine, for example, with men being demanding, men being ambitious, um, and those tend to be qualities that people don't like very much in women. Um, and that's just one example of the kind of gendered uh, roles. They often have different roles at work. Um, and so we like to think that we live in a very egalitarian society, but we still have a lot of gendered social norms that really prescribe what's okay for women to do and what's okay for men to do. Mm-hmm. And really see this all over. You know, you give the example of the Make Way for Ducklings book, but you can see it in movies or um, TV shows for kids. And you see these different roles playing out for boys and girls and for men and women. And so boys and girls growing up in this world learn about the differences in expectations that are, that are there for them. And the reason this becomes problematic for women in negotiation is that people can have a negative reaction to women negotiating because it's a very assertive behavior. And so sometimes it can be uh, seen as not appropriate for women to be engaging in. And so that's why we talk a lot in the book about the kinds of strategies that women can use to get what they want and yet still be successful and not producing these negative kind of social consequences. Right. We have started, um, uh, kicked off this fall, uh, our alumni book club. And your book was our very, our inaugural book for this effort that we're partaking in. And we've had a lot yeah, that's of... really exciting. Yeah. I, I, you should be really proud of that. I mean, we... This came about because we are having a women's retreat this fall, and because negotiation was a topic at the list, at the top of the list of what women are interested in learning more about and how to navigate that in their professional and personal lives, we approached two professors in our women and gender studies, Dr. Janine Gailey and Dr. Karen Steele, and we asked them would they be willing to present on women in negotiation, and Dr. Steele actually teaches courses here at TCU to help women or anyone that wants to take the class for that matter and your book was what they suggested that we read and we thought wouldn't it be a great natural process to not only unpack the content at the retreat but let's have women this fall read this book and so the response has just been overwhelming and just the first three weeks that we've launched the book club we have over 300 women in our community that are reading and tons of questions are coming in. And Patricia... Well, that's great. And I hope they're using their negotiation skills to practice. I, because by the time the retreat happens, they will be uh, have some negotiations under their belt and be able to really share those success stories and, and talk about what they did. Yeah, and that's a great question for me to pose for next week. And y'all have been gracious enough to give us questions that we've been posting. And Patricia H. said um, the comment... of. to tie into what we just talked about with the differences between men and women, as she said, although I've encountered this idea in the real world, I'm always surprised when I hear or read that some women suppose or believe that gender inequality is a thing of the past. This book has been an eye opener. So what do you say to that? Yeah, it's something that actually I lose a lot of sleep over. Um, this idea, you know, you see it being on a college campus, you see it all the time with the young women that we see entering college today with the mistaken belief that that 
gender bias and gender differences are a thing of the past. And I know, you know, I'm in my late 50s. I know that for women of my generation, we really grew up knowing that there were going to be difficulties that we would face at work as women. And I think formed networks and, and supported each other to help us through those things. Um, and I really worry about today's generation because I think we've sold them a myth. And that is the myth of that, you know, women's revolution, check, we won. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's done. And that there won't be any um, any problems for them as women in the workplace. And so I, I feel that we need to get the message out to young women today that there is still bias, there is still discrimination. Um, it, it's more subtle than it used to be, but it's real nonetheless. And there are things that that women need to be careful of and watch out for, right? So that they can navigate, so that they can really navigate those barriers. Sure. Okay. So let's switch to um, weird. I'm going in for a job interview. It's looking really like it's going to be a promising offer. And the manager proposes a salary to me. Is it a fair question to respond to that manager? How did you arrive at this salary? I mean, do you recommend that tactic? Or is there another way to figure out where you can go with that negotiation? Well, I think it's a, the, that, situation that you raise is an opportunity to have a dialogue with that person um, about the salary. Um, And that could be an appropriate question to ask. But what you need to do before that, before you go into a discussion like that, is to do your own homework and research. That is, for you to go into a discussion having prepared an understanding of what the market is for people with your skills, what what the kind of going rate is for the job that you're being offered so that you can have a informed discussion about the salary. And when you're presented with an offer, really the best thing to do is to provide a counteroffer and talk about why you think that counteroffer is is reasonable, um, given what the market is and, and what your research is. And so to come back with a concrete number as a basis for a dialogue. Okay. Great. So why do you think women who have done what you've suggested, they've done the research on uh, what the fair market value is for that salary, they feel really confident going into negotiation until they're standing beside someone else. And then all of a sudden, that inner critic comes in, they start doubting themselves. Does that vary depending on what gender the meeting is with? Uh, you mean gender of the person that you're negotiating yes. with? Yes. Mm-hmm. No, our research has really found that it doesn't matter whether you're negotiating with a man or a woman. Um, we haven't really found differences in, in that aspect. Um, but it is true that many people do, men and women, um, men more so than women, tend to get really anxious about negotiation. And there are many things that you can do to combat that anxiety before you go in. First of all, you can be really prepared, doing your homework role-playing the negotiation with a colleague so that you can get feedback on how you did and that you can get comfortable with what you're going to say. And that can really boost your confidence during a negotiation. And so you can go in feeling like, yeah, I can carry this out. This is a reasonable thing to do. We can have a constructive dialogue. You know, for many women, they don't like the idea of it, of negotiation as a, as a game or a battle. And I don't really like that 
that way to think about negotiation either. I think about it as a dialogue, a conversation, a problem solving. And to know that that is a really strong style to negotiate, you know, a very cooperative problem solving style can make many people, men and women, feel more comfortable about doing that negotiation. Mm -hmm. Because you know that with that kind of approach, you're not going to harm the relationship with the other side. It's a conversation. It's working it out together. You know, I like to think of it as sitting side by side on one side of a table rather than across the table from each other. Just thinking about it that way. We're on the same side. We're just trying to reach an agreement. That's a great way of, of picturing that. Um, we Another yeah. comment we got from a reader, it's this, her, her username is Denali Gal. She said, I note that what the authors term negotiation is really collaboration. I was trained in mediation during my training for my last Army assignment as an equal opportunity program manager. And collaboration is always the goal rather than capitulation or compromise. What do you think about that? I I, I totally agree with that. Um, And that is the way that most people who know what they're doing and, and, and the research is on this is negotiation is about collaboration. You know, it's not the way that we see it portrayed in movies because it doesn't make good theater. You know, it's not good theater to have people having a constructive dialogue together. It's more interesting to watch some people fight. Right. And so you see negotiation portrayed, and I think in a very skewed way, in the kind of, you know, TV shows or movies or um, that we watch. And, and so people have this mis- misconception about what negotiation really is. And your reader is absolutely right. It is collaboration. Okay. So that was good insight on her part. Okay, so um, our last question, and then I'm going to give you one more reader comment, was there was a training session that you conducted with students, and you taught them five self-management principles. I thought these were really useful. Um, Can you share those with us? Well, this is a research that's done by some other negotiation scholars, and what what this helps you with is feeling confident and prepared for the negotiation. And so, first of all, you know, you want to set um, a negotiation goal. And this is where doing your homework ahead of time is going to help you to set that goal. Then you want to think about what are the obstacles that you might face and to plan strategies to overcome them. And a lot of that comes with thinking about how the other side is going to see the situation. And so if you can understand the other side's perspective, you may learn about what it is they're likely to object to, and you can think in advance then about how you will overcome that objection. And so that can really help you to, um, to be, have this negotiation be very cooperative. Uh, another strategy, again, is role-playing with your partner. I talked about that earlier and how important that is to feel comfortable with the negotiation and get some feedback on your performance. And then the last is really... Um, treating yourself for, for not just if you reach your goal, but if you went through with the negotiation as you had planned to really reward yourself for a job well done, no matter what the negotiation ended up with. And I think that that is, that last point is something that women don't do enough of. We don't acknowledge and celebrate our pursuits. I think we focus more on the fact that we didn't succeed rather than we really did all the work we needed to and whether it ended up with a win, we win regardless. Exactly. So let's celebrate the process, you know, of us 
having done all the preparation to do the negotiation, go through with it, do the attempts. And, you know, we're not always successful. I'm not always successful in negotiating for what I want um, but it, because some things just aren't possible. But I know that I've given it a good try, that I've done my best, and that's worth celebrating. So do you feel that in the process of writing this book and collaborating with Sara, that how has it affected your negotiation? Well, I've been teaching negotiation for 30 years, and you could say, um, I could fairly say that I'm really obsessed with it. That I do my research on negotiation. I teach it. I do it a lot in practice. And so I, I love negotiating. I think it's such a powerful tool um, to not only pursue your own interests, but to find ways that those interests are compatible with the interests of the other side. Mm-hmm. And that's just a very positive force in both the workplace and in my personal life. Okay. So this last uh, thing I'm going to toss to you is one of our readers, and it, it really circles back to the why of of this whole interview, of why you started your research and wanted to write the book. This is from Heather. She says, for a long time, I assumed someone would notice my hard work and I would eventually be promoted. And it was not until I had a very negative experience with a previous employer that I realized how untrue that was. I had a coworker that would regular talk, regularly talk to the president of our school and brag about all the hard work she was doing. She would talk about all our hours spent grading and writing original finals. Meanwhile, I was working on my PhD and had published for the first time, but I never spoke to the school's president about all of this. When an opportunity for advancement arose, it was given to my coworker and not me. Often hard work simply goes unnoticed. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Sadly, that is um, often the way that the world works. It's who you're connected with. It's, you know, the networks that you have, the relationships that you've built that often leads to advancement. And so I would just say to Heather, you're doing great work. You're in the trenches, but you probably need to do some more networking and letting people around you know the accomplishments that you have had. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm head of a department now, and when a junior person comes to me and tells me their accomplishments, I like to hear about them. I want to know what people in my unit are doing and what they're proud of and how I can help support them. And so I don't see that as a negative. I just see that as a positive, and it helps me understand more what they're doing and um, puts me in a better position to help them succeed. So think about, Heather used to think about the people around you as wanting to help you succeed, and they just need to know more about you. Yeah, that's a that's a great takeaway. Well, Linda, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, we look forward to unpacking more content as the readers continue to finish up the book and at our conference in October as we read more about how women don't ask. So thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much for for having me on. And I really applaud your, um, your events this fall um, around the issues of negotiation because as you know i I, i'm i'm convinced it's an incredibly important um skill for people to build so so thanks for doing all this for women